probably the most important thing as a born-again believer that I know, simply this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Listen to what he said there. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Some many years ago, been about 10 years ago, close to 10 years ago, I was asked to be on a talk show with Paul Crouch. We did it here, went all over the world, and we were in the green room, and this is what he said to me. First thing he told me was, the tears almost in his eyes, I miss my little old precious wife. Remember Jan? If you've seen Jan, you remember Jan, huh? Yeah, she was, she was so sweet and but gaudy and had, had those big fake eyelashes. And one day, Matt just reached up there and pulled one of them off. <laughs> but this is what he said. He said, Brother Vaughn, I just want to hear your stories. I had the privilege of serving 10 years on his advisory board for the CET stations. And we'd meet every year at the San Francisco Steakhouse in Houston out on Westheimer, and uh, I got to be friends with him, and fine man, and he's the one that actually got me on all the English-speaking countries around the Caribbean. I told him, I said, I'd love to, because I preached in Jamaica you know, for, for a month, and so he got me on all those English-speaking, for many, many years, I don't know how many, 10, 15, 20 years, but <clears throat> so I got to tell all my stories I'm full of stories, so I'm going to tell you some stories, not about me, but of what, what God does when we hear him. And I want to start with this. The Lord just showed me this a moment ago while I was sitting there. Every one of us living a little world of our own. We have our circle that we live in. That world is so vitally important that God knows every thought you think and everything you do because you are so special to God. No man, no woman, no child need ever feel like they're unimportant. You are the apple of God's eye, and if you'd have been the only person alive on this earth, Jesus would have died just for you. That's the truth. He loves you so much that he's forever speaking to you. And I think that if, if there's anything that I could say to you today that I believe could change things, I'm telling you, there is a miracle in this house this morning. You may not be able to see it, and I may not be able to see it, but there's a miracle. If Jesus tarries another hundred years, those miracles will happen. They're unbelievable miracles. Many, about 35, 40 years ago, a man that I had helped mentor and helped get him started, in fact, when he was 19 years old, I was working with Baptists back then, and I love Baptists. 
And I, and, but I was full of the Holy Ghost, you know. <laughs> what do you say? How do you work? I did it for many years. That's where God opened up for me. So I love the Baptist. I'm not in any way ever critical of the Baptist. But I was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in the Baptist churches, I couldn't do a lot of the things that we can do here. You know, I couldn't lay hands on the sick. I couldn't anoint with all. I couldn't uh, give messages in, this, in tongues and interpretation, none of that. But I was, God had lifted, how would you say, God had lifted up my ministry, and I was personal friends with Dr. C. Wade Freeman, who was the vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention and the head of the evangelism department for the state of Texas preached in my church several times, and, and Paige Patterson, who was the uh, president of the largest seminary in the world in Fort Worth, and, and then, then his brother-in-law, uh, Chuck Kelly. I mentored Chuck, Chuck Kelly when he was growing up, when he was a teenager. It took him soul winning with me. He became the president of New Orleans Seminary. And so Paige Patterson preached in my church several times, and, and Dr. C. Wade Freeman was... Any of you ever met Tommy Birchfield? You know who Tommy Birchfield is? So full of God. I had him several times. And I preached for him several times. That man is full of the Lord. And he's got, he's got such a gift of discernment. I wish I could have put him in my pocket and carried around with me, you know. That would saved me a lot of problems, you know, through the years because he could read a person like that. Well, anyhow, Robert Morris called me. Anybody know who Robert Morris is? Well, he called me about 35, 40 years ago, and he wanted to come 10 years before I retired and then take my place at Fletcher, and God spoke to me. And I told him, I said, Robert, there's not anybody I'd rather have than you, but let me tell you, you take Debbie. Debbie was saved in one of my revivals, his wife, and you go around Dallas, and y'all drive around Dallas and drive around Dallas until God says, start a church here. And that's what he did. They now have eight satellites, 71,000 members. Can you believe that? The, the population of Beaumont was 115,000. Their church is almost as big as Beaumont. If I hadn't listened to God, when God spoke to me, and would have said, oh, Robert, come on, I don't know if that would have happened or not. That's how important it is to hear from God. And listen to me. God's always talking to us. Constantly. You go to do something and God will tell you, you don't do that. Or he'll tell you, do that. Is that right? So I know God's talking to you. Now, listen to God and do what God tells you to do. Last week I talked about praying and obeying, you know. Get a hold of God, do what God says, and then life becomes simple. It becomes a joyous thing. I live a happy, fulfilled life. I don't have bitterness, anger, clamor, clutter, uh, uh, any hard feelings toward anybody in the world. Because all I'm doing is listening to the voice of God and doing what God tells me to do. Well, when Robert was 19 years old, I went to... Dr. C. Wade Freeman, the largest thing that they had at that time among Southern Baptists was the evangelism conference in Fort Worth, Texas. 14,000 people would show up. And I said, 
Dr. Freeman, there's a young man that's got the anointing on him. Would you have him preach? A 19-year-old boy, and he preached to those 14,000 people. And that opened another door for him. Listen to me. Not every door are you to go through. You're to be used of God when God speaks to you to open doors for other people. And, the, and then you get somewhere back. I, I don't even know if Robert knows I'm still alive or not. But uh, the last time I talked to Robert, I'd gone to a service many, 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 many years ago. And the second service was started. And the place was packed. And, and they had, at that time, they d didn't have all the satellites, so they had like five services on the weekend. I don't know how he held up to it, Pastor. I can do five services. Well, the second service started, and I sent word that I was there. And so he, he, he left the service and came back to me. And in a little while, he, she, they had a model of their new uh, building that they were going to build, $35, $40 million uh, complex. They, they, it, it was paid for before they got started on it. That's just God. It's just God. Amen? Now, what, what he, I said, Robert, don't you have to get back to the service? He said, no, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's on, uh, already on satellite, and it's, they'll see me on the screen. So he spent the whole time just explaining to me about all with the new facility. It was, it was, a, it was a model of the new, the new, new facility. So I, I thought, Lord, I am so eternally grateful that I listened to you way back there when you told me to have them go around Dallas and they landed at South Lake. God is on his throne and God wants to use us. But listen to me. There's a miracle in this house today. You may not see it today, but I have an idea who it is. And God has big things for you. Now, the big things may be a missionary on a little island, but it's a big thing for God. But you listen to God. If you'll listen to God, you will see God move in mighty, mighty ways. Now, I'm going to give you a couple more illustrations. Uh, I'm trying to follow what Paul Krauss told me to do. He says, I want to hear your stories. Jesus preached in parables, stories, because people are listening to stories, right? So I want to tell you a couple of stories. I have a whole, I could probably spend the day telling you about these stories. I had a lady in my church that was, that had really been faithful. Her husband, both, by the way, they're both in heaven now. Her husband was an older man, and God called him to preach in our church as an older man, and he did a good job. He's a big, tall guy. And Betty was not so tall. She was about shorter than me. And she had gotten something wrong with her, and she was in a wheelchair and crippled up. Couldn't get out of the wheelchair. And on a Saturday night, God told me that he was going to heal her the next morning. I get up the next morning, and those days our, our building was packed. We seated 1,000. We added 350 more seats, and it was packed. And I got up on Sunday morning, and I said, Kenneth, where's Betty? She said, she wasn't feeling well. So I said, she's at home. And I'm before all this audience. I never even thought 
if God doesn't heal her, my ministry's down the drain. <laughs> I said, go get her, because God told me last night he's going to heal her. So they sent the van, got her, brought her, and brought her down to the front in the wheelchair. And I said, Betty, God told me he was going to heal you. Now get up out of that wheelchair. She got up out of that wheelchair. She walked around the auditorium. The next time she ran around the auditorium. And she drove one of our, we had, we had a bus ministry, had 10 buses running. She drove one of our buses until she was so old she couldn't drive anymore. God speaks to us. I can't heal anybody. But God didn't. Let me tell you another one. It, this was on a Sunday night. I was pastoring a Baptist church that had never had a healing service. There might be somebody here that might have been there then. I don't remember. But I had a singer that was real powerful, and uh, my wife always called him Angel Feathers, uh, Paul Vick. <laughs> Do you know Paul Vick? And Paul, boy, he had it going. I mean, that music was going. And God said to me, in a Baptist church that never had a healing service, get up, stop the service, and pray for people to be healed. I thought, boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I let, so Paul kept on going. Second time, God says, get up, interrupt the service, and pray for people to be healed. I still didn't do it. The third time, God said, I told you. To, it's like I'm talking to you. I told you to get up. People think God speaks in this big, booming voice. He talks just like we're talking. And when I went to heaven that time, and Jesus talked to me and sent me back, it was just like I'm talking to you. And anyhow, so uh, I got up, stopped the service, and I said, I told him what the Bible says, and got the elders of the church, and believe it or not, about 35 men came down. We prayed for the people that wanted to be healed, went back to our seats, went back home that night. The phone was ringing. A lady whose mother told her, what I'm going to talk to you about today is word of knowledge. This lady's mother, who went to a, a Baptist church, but she was full gospel, God told her mother, tell Marilyn if she'll go to Fletcher Emanuel Baptist Church in Lumberton, Texas tonight, he'll heal her. She had club feet. She had been crippled from the time she was 17 months old. And that, by that time, I think she was 27. And she had those special built-up shoes. You know, the, you've seen them. They're black and they're all built up. And that's what she had to wear. I didn't even know she was in the audience. We prayed at the audience. And the elders came and all we, we laid hands on and prayed. When I got home, the phone was ringing. And we had a lady in our church... Her name was Zeta Bertrand. I don't know if any of you ever heard of Zeta Bertrand. She had been the lady of the night in the Beaumont area. And she came to our church with little high heels, little sparkly, clear, tall, high heels. That <laughs> and, and she had a little girl with her. It was her daughter. And that night I gave the invitation, and down the aisle she came, and when that lady got saved, she won 44 of those kind of people to the Lord. 
just fill my church up with those people. A marvelous miracle of God. Well, she was on the phone. And uh, she said, Brother Vaughn, you wouldn't believe it. She said, Marilyn got home. She said when she was in the, in the service, she's in those built-up shoes, those tight, big black shoes. And she said, yeah, I thought my feet had gone to sleep. She goes home, takes her sh shoes off, and she has brand-new feet. That's the, I've never seen one like that before. Brand-new feet. Well, next Wednesday night, she was there, and we had a tall stage taller than that one. And she had a first pair of high heels on, and she bounds up there. And I'm... It, me of great faith, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't fall, you know. <laughs> and now she could go play. She had two sons. She could go play ball with them and all of that. And 27, no, 20 years, sorry, 20 years later, she, she came back and spoke at my seminary that I had established, and she said, see my feet? They're still healed. God is on his throne. That all came from a word of knowledge. That's what it was. God spoke to me. Now, I could go on all day and tell you many more stories. God is speaking to you. It's not that I'm anything special. We're all special. And God will speak to us if we'll listen to him. So I, what I want to tell you is, listen to the Lord. My sheep hear my voice. Can you say that with me? My sheep hear my voice. Now, if, the, if you're, if you're a, uh, one of God's sheep, then you hear his voice. Now, I want to change gears a little bit. I'm a traveling evangelist. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Held several revivals in Fort Worth and Dallas and Houston and all over mainly Texas and Louisiana, 300 of them. And uh, I have a man, what I would do, I'd go to the pastor and I would say, I, I need an advisory board. Do you have anybody in your church during this meeting that you see that connects with the ministry that I'm doing? And if so, let me know. So he, he had a man. So I met the man uh, and I went to his home and he became, oh, the whole time I was in evangelism, one of my greatest supporters. And he, he told me his story. He said, I had been in trouble with the law, had to serve some time. I got out, got saved. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of Baptists are filled with the Holy Spirit. They just don't talk about it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyhow, and he, he said, I took this course. It's called The Dynamics of Personal Leadership by Paul, Paul Meyer. The Dynamics of Personal Leadership. He said, I, I took this course, and he had become the president of six companies. Millionaire. And so <clears throat> I said, I want that course. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Well, about six, eight months came, went by, and I didn't get the course. So I went and bought it myself. Paul Meyer gave $14 million that he made off of that course to Southern Baptist Mission Work. I studied that course for five years. You know what it was? It was a course on learning. If you boiled it down, it, this is what it was. 
learning how to get yourself out of the way and your limitations that you put on yourself out of the way. Because we have a tendency to limit ourselves. Where do you think that comes from? Doesn't come from God, does it? All right. Now, we all have dealt with that. But God doesn't put limitations on us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know now, it's 60 years I've been preaching, God has never once told me to do something that he didn't supply all the needs to get it done. I'm telling you folks, if it's just a little bit of money or millions and millions of dollars, it doesn't make any difference to God. He owns the world. Do you realize how big God is? We're talking about the God who flung the skirts of Saturn. The same God that fashioned a claw on a little mosquito's hand. That God who knows everything, created everything, and Jesus was the agent of God's creation. Jesus, the Bible says, created all things. Not anything was made that wasn't made that he didn't make. That's what an awesome God we serve. Let me tell you, we haven't lost this battle. <laughs> Let me tell you, we have the greatest preachers everywhere. My pastor's one of them. We have the greatest preachers all over this nation I've ever seen. We have the most fantastic, unbelievable works in this nation. Now, the news media wants to make you feel defeated and Beaten down, I don't even watch the news anymore. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but every now and then, you know, I watch a little bit of it. All it does is depress you. Our God's bigger than all of that. God doesn't even blink an eye at all of that. Okay. Now, let me give you some things that I think will help you. I wrote a book once. After five years of studying the course, and then going to the Word of God, the course was just based on the Word of God, called, called How to Make Faith Your Lifestyle. Had 30,000 of them printed. Gave them all away. I, I'm not much into selling things. I'm much into giving, you know. And I'm not saying you can't sell things. Whatever we can do to keep God's work going. But gave off almost all 30,000 of them away and just got to... Four or five of them left. My daughter, right here, every night has that book open. It came out of all those years of in the Word and learning how, as a Christian, to live the life of faith. So I call it How to Make Faith Your Lifestyle. Someday, maybe somebody will come along and say, Well, I'll, I'll pray for some, praying some more, and we'll. We'll print some more of them and send them out. But let me tell you what God tells us that we're to do in living this life. Fathers, please hear me. Mamas, hear me. I mentioned last week 33% of the children in America go to bed at night without a father in the house. 33%. 
how many of you believe in spiritual authority? We all do, don't we? God has a spiritual authority. And sir, you're the one, you fathers, you're the spiritual authority over your family. And for the devil to get to your family, he's got to go through you. And that's why you see such an attack against the fathers in America. And that's why you see so much of this where they're trying to replace the fathers somehow or another. The government's trying to replace them. Always attack on the fathers. Am I right? Do you see that? It's going on, folks. Okay, now, here's what we need to be doing, fathers and mothers. So I don't, I don't discount the mothers at all. Um, my mother had been married many times because the first marriage she had was so brutal. And so and she got saved before she died. She always believed in God, but I was always witnessing to her. And on her deathbed, my mom got saved. She was, she was crippled for her. I'm just going to tell you, let it all hang out here this morning, okay? My mother became a chronic alcoholic. And she drank vodka, and you can't smell vodka on their breath. And it ate up her liver until her liver was the size of a 50-cent piece. And I was called. I was going to Stephen F. Austin State University at that time to come home. My mother wasn't going to make it to the night. So I called my brother. We rushed to the hospital. And somehow, through a miracle of God, my mother lived. But it caused her to be crippled. And uh, it paralyzed her on the left side. And she lived in a nursing home because no other way to take care of her. And I'd go see her all the time. And I'd always witness to her. And one day I walked into the room where my mama was laying. She died shortly thereafter. And this is what she said. Your old mama got saved last night. She said, I saw into heaven, Richard, and there were chairs and there was one empty chair. My mother loved me dearly. And God put me in my chair. And I'm going to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? My father was killed in an explosion. He lived eight hours at the old Magnolia Refinery. It's next to Exxon Mobil now. And, it, and my father didn't have the opportunity that I had. And I'm standing by his deathbed, and I'm at the head of the bed, and my brother's at the end of the bed, an old hotel due, burned beyond human recognition, nose burned off, ears burned off, part of his fingers burned off, he wasn't going to make it. But he could talk. And in that condition, though I wasn't saved, I loved God, believed in God, but I didn't even know about being saved. In that condition, my father made a will out, took part of his burned finger and marked for his mark on the will. And he said several things to me. First thing he said to me was, son, go to church. He said, I don't care where you go, just go to church. Then he said, take care of your mama. I thought he was talking about my stepmama. I said, no, your mama. You take care of your mama. And then he said, 
Meet me in heaven. And I don't want to freak you out, but he threw a stream of black blood to the other end of the bud, the other end of the bed, hit my brother in the chest, and splattered all over him, and he died in his own blood, black blood. So I took his advice, and I went to church. And I went with my wife for years to her church. And then I wound up in a little old Baptist church. It's not even in existence anymore. It's just a little foundation out there. And I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. I didn't even know that Jesus could come live inside of you. And I remember us saying, I, I didn't know about invitation. Where I went to Catholic church, we didn't have invitations. God bless the Catholic, but when I went to the Catholic Church under Vatican I, it, the, the, the Mass was in Latin. I didn't understand Latin, so I, if they did preach the gospel, I couldn't understand it. But I heard the gospel. I went home that night, and I asked my wife, who had been telling me about Jesus her whole life, that I was with her. And uh, I said, do you suppose what that man said could be the truth? Can Jesus literally come live inside of me? She said, that's what I've been trying to tell you all these years. Well, boy, you couldn't have kept me away from that church that next night. And I still, I was, did you know there wasn't one, sing, one single decision in the whole revival other than mine? And the poor evangelist didn't even know I made it because I didn't know to go forward. But I stood up, and they were having testimonies. And I couldn't keep myself in the seat. I stood up, and I said, I wish my mother could experience what I have experienced tonight. I felt like somebody got on the inside of me. I remember I said, if you could do anything with this miserable, mixed up, confused human being that I am, this sinful human being I am, would you please come into my life? Bam! <laughs> I mean, just like that. Instantly changed. Went out the front door the next morning. I'm telling you, folks, it was, it, this is, God is my witness. It was like on the Wizard of Oz when they went from black and white to the full color. <laughs> it was. I went back on the job, and men, I, before I had, I worked with some really raunchy men, and I just despised them. All of a sudden, I went to those same men, and I loved them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And for two years, I walked in this bubble. It was like there was a bubble around me. Nothing bothered me. You know, people thought I'd lost my mind or something. I'd had an accident with a horse one time. They thought that horse kicked me in the head, and you know, they, they couldn't grab it, what was going on, especially when I gave up a lifetime job to take my little wife and two children and go off to college, and the men on, I worked with said, you're going to starve to death, Vaughn. <laughs> well, I never missed a meal. Let me tell you, God is faithful. God is good. Don't let the world pull you into bitterness and anger and all of that. Those are choices, folks. Those are choices we make. Okay. Now, we read about in the Bible how to put on the armor of God. And we all know that one, right? So I'm not going to go into that. I don't have time. But helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, girdle of truth, feet shot with the preservation of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But it didn't stop there. A lot of places stopped there. 
that you hear. It says, praying always in the spirit with prayer and supplication. Boy, that's powerful. Why do you think that the devil so wants to come against tongue speaking? I'm talking about true tongue speaking, not talking about gibberish. I was in a meeting one time with a bunch of preachers, and Criswell was preaching. He, he called it a bunch of gibberish. No, it's not gibberish. It's a beautiful language. And when you pray in the Spirit, can I tell you something funny real quick? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, full of stories. When God baptized me with the Holy Spirit, I came out of the bathroom, I was by myself, and I was speaking in tongues, scared my little Methodist wife to death. <laughs> she thought I'd really gone crazy. And she said, just don't do that around me. But one year later, I'm pastoring at Kilgore, and that's when God raised up all those preacher Larry Lee and all the rest of those. And I came home one day, and she was in the bathroom, <laughs> and she got tongues, but she got the gift of interpretation. I don't have much of the gift of interpretation. And then she wanted me to pray in the Spirit, and she could interpret everything I was saying. I thought, wow, this is something. <laughs> so, but let me tell you, it's the heavenly language, and the Bible's full of it. And the Bible talks about after Pentecost. After Pentecost. Well, then I learned, okay, I learned that I had to pray. And I want you to know that Larry Lee and I are still best buds, and he still calls me his pastor. And I get to talk to him not very often. He's the one that founded the Churches on the Rock. And the last time he called me, he said, you're my pastor. You'll always be my pastor. Well, Annette and I mentored him when he was a teenager. He'd bring his dates to our house. But anyhow, so uh, uh, I saw Larry. We were walking he, when, when he was in his prime. He came to me, and he said, Pastor Vaughn threw his arms around us. Larry Lee may have made some mistakes in his life, but Larry Lee was a godly man. When I first met Larry Lee, he was on 17 tranquilizers a day, and he got saved in a mental institution. He pulled all of the crosses with Jesus on it all. He had a whole arm of them, and, went to, and, and, he, and he said, it was really funny. He goes to his main psychiatrist and said, you can let me go now. I talked to God last night. And God, he did talk to God. And God used Larry in a mighty, mighty wonderful way. And we know he had some problems, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, he was the one that came up with, could you not tarry one hour? And so I tried, and, and we did it. And I think it's wonderful if you can do that. If you're an early riser, pray your hour every morning. Uh, one of my best friends is Mike Hawkins, who I led to the Lord decades ago. And he pastored a church a while, but he's, he's a businessman now. And he still to this day takes his Bible and goes to, he goes to a certain graveyard. And I know where it is, Knuffle Graveyard. And he prays every morning for an hour. Anyhow, so I, I tried that, but I'm not an early man person. I mean, and so what, here's what happened. Some, the Lord showed me something this week. Now, I believe, I believe in that hour with the Lord. 
but I'd rather have been all day with him every day, 24-7. And he showed me something. You know why those disciples could, kept falling off asleep? They were tired, sure, but that's before Pentecost. You ever think about that, Pastor? That's before Pentecost. After Pentecost, they didn't do that anymore, did they? After Pentecost, they could just pray all the time. They had the power of God working in their life. Okay, I'm going to kind of just give you a few points because I want these fathers to be able to, 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 to help me on this, and mothers. All right. Always put God first. God first, and then ministry, okay? Uh, church, ministry. But if you put God first, God will never... I mean, when you put God first, God will never interfere with you taking care of your family. God won't come before your family. God wants you to take care of your family. All right, very quickly. Uh, honor the Lord with all your conversation. Please hear this. We have a tendency if we're not careful as Christians, to listen to trash talk, bad language, and trash talk. Stay away from that, fathers. I know you work around men that use God's name in vain, and they're always telling about sex things and all that. Stay away from all of that. That'll bring you down. And never call your wife your old lady. Amen? Even though my wife and I are getting both old. My wife's 82, and I'm, I'm fixed, I'll be 85 in September. But always show honor at all times and respect to your wife. And if you'll honor your, your mate, God will honor you. Because he said we're to love them like Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. All right. God will fight for you. He loves you so much, he will fight for you. All right, a couple of more things I want to leave with you. The Bible says, let no, listen to it, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But rather that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace unto the hearer. In my home, we don't speak anything corrupt. And we never, ever, ever criticize one another. And it's a no-no, a big no-no. Never become critical of God's men of God. I'm not, going to, I'm not trying to scare anybody here, but I've done a number of funerals where people spoke against the man of God. Touch not mine anointed. Please hear me. Touch not mine anointed. Keep your opinions to yourself. Give them to God. Don't get in this judging business. Don't listen to another staff member. Don't listen to anybody that's going to be critical about your pastor or any other preacher. Stay away from that. God is, is a God of love, but God's also a God of judgment. And I'm telling you, if you get to thinking that 
Oh, well, it's time for pastor to retire and may step in. Stay away from that. Leave that to God because you might find an early trip to heaven. Hmm? Amen? I'm not kidding you, folks. This is serious. As Mike Alexander used to say to me all the time, boy, this is serious business. <laughs> if you've been around Mike, you've heard him say that. Of course, he's in heaven too. But don't touch the anointed of God. Honor the man of God. God's big enough to take care of them. And if we get out of line, God will get us. You don't have to get us. Amen. Amen.